journal. If you didn't get one of them, just raise your hand and Raj will pass you one of those. Uh, Mike, you stay here. Let's see. If you, were, if you didn't get one of these notebooks, we, we have a few extras up here. Raise your hand and Mike will get you one. We think we have enough. What we're talking about these days is um, trying to let prayer change your life. And uh, if you learn to pray, it will change your life. And if you don't learn to pray, guess what? It won't, cha won't change your life. Whenever you get in the proximity of the Lord, things change. Because when God comes on the scene, nothing remains the same. Uh, you've heard people say before, you and God are a majority. That is an understatement. It really is. As they're passing out that little piece of paper, I want to encourage those of you who, maybe this is your first session, this is the third session on prayer, I want to encourage you to go to our website, our internet site, and um, go to our church site, go to the messages, and you'll find the last two Wednesday night sessions on there. So go back and catch up, okay? Um, what we're trying to do is teach you how to organize your prayer life, and this is basic. Uh, you take this little book and you kind of divide it into categories. The, well, the first category we talked about is praise. And I'll tell you, that's one thing we have a whole lot of, isn't it? I mean, we can praise God for everything. And so what we do is we write it down, we date it, you know, September 22nd, or what is today? 24th. You said 23rd, didn't you? Okay. Yeah. September 24th. Uh, and, and write down something today you praise the Lord for. Two or three things. I, I write four or five things every day down. And then uh, as you do that, you know, what happens is your book starts to fill up. And then what you do is you open it. Remember, our formula for sex, success is, first of all, set a time. Secondly, record the time. And then thirdly, increase the time. Uh, we want you to have an appointment with God because if you don't set an appointment with God, I just talked to a guy on the phone right before a church started. He said, I'm going to Newfoundland to go hunting. I said, where is that? He explained it. I still don't understand. He said, I'm going to Newfoundland to uh, go hunting. And uh, he says, I want to take a Bible. And I, his wife put a message on our machine a day or so ago. He says, we, you don't want to pack this big Bible. It's so heavy. So do you have something light? He said, I found one of my teenage grandson's Bible. I'm taking it. And he said, you know, I've just been struggling on trying to find the time to read my Bible. I know I should. Well, you know, when you have a divine appointment, that settles everything. You don't have to worry about it anymore. You just put it in your calendar. And uh, that's called non-negotiable time. I have a pastor acquaintance up in New Jersey. If you call his office before noon, you know what his secretary will say to you? The secretary will say, our pastor is talking to God. Do you want me to interrupt him? That's exactly what she'll say. I don't think he's ever been interrupted. So what he does, he comes into the office, he says, listen, until noon, I'm, I'm talking to God. I have an appointment. Now, you can't do that, but you can get up at a certain time, and you can write it on your calendar, and you can say, listen, nothing is going to infringe on this time. It's me and God. And once you get the hang of that, and that's hard, and you can't always do it, but once you get the hang of it, it works really good. 
Uh, I told you before, Becky Terabasi is the lady that went to a prayer seminar. And she, uh, she was challenged to pray, just like we're challenging you to pray. And at the end, they made our commitments to the Lord. And she, her commitment was to begin to pray an hour a day for the rest of her life. And uh, in her book, Let Prayer Change Your Life, uh, it says she went home. She didn't know how to do that. It's kind of like marriage. You know, you make a commitment for better, for worse, for richer, for poor, and sickness and health, and you don't know how to do it, but you learn. And so that's what happened. That's what happened with her. She went home. She set her oven, oven timer to an hour, for an hour. And she says, God, I don't know how to do this. And so Diane, our secretary, called her about six months ago because I like to keep up on how she's doing on her commitment to God because when you put it in a book, people check up on you. And uh, she said, her secretary said she's doing really good. She's prayed 22 years, one hour every day. And now she has a worldwide prayer ministry. She travels all over the place teaching people how to pray. And here was just a housewife. Actually, she was a teenage alcoholic who came to Christ, was, I think, led to Christ by a janitor in some church that had enough compassion to reach out to her and win her to Christ. But she made that appointment with God. Uh, Corey Tim Boone says, don't pray to God when you feel like it. Make an appointment with the king and keep it. And so we just have to prioritize God in this whole thing. And so when you write your prayer requests down, you always have them. You know, you don't have to think, where should I start? Well, I, my mind is over here. My, I can't think of anything. You just open your book. Uh, pray with your eyes open, of course, with a pen in your hand. Take notes like you're at a meeting, meeting with the chief executive officer of your life. Uh, those those uh, categories we gave you are really good. Uh, there, there's too many of them then for you to start with. There's probably too many of those there for a long time. But you can pick out the ones. You have people in your family that need Christ. Write their names down. Write down when you're starting to pray for them every day. That the Lord will open their hearts, send people into their life that will change their life. Physical healing. Boy, in a church like ours, we have people that need physical healing all the time. And so we put their name in there so that when it's our time to have an appointment, we open it up. We're right there. We're not lost. We're not trying to think who's sick. We got it all in our book. It's all in writing. The right way to pray is to write it all down. You'll, I, I want to go on record to say you'll never have a big prayer life unless you write it all down. Uh, Matt Pettigrew is the prayer. He's our giant prayer in the church. Uh, he, I understand he has a list of names that he's been going over for years praying, but he has it in writing. And so you go and take this simple little booklet and this thing and start to put your prayer request together in writing. And then keep this with your Bible. And everywhere you go, or carry it with you. Somebody asks you to pray for somebody, say, hey, stop. Let me get your name. Write it down. Because you know what will happen. You'll say, somebody will give you their name, and you know what will happen, don't you? Sure, I do too. It won't happen. So uh, go, to the, go to the website and pick up on that. Uh, I want to give you a, a scripture or two tonight. If you'll turn to Acts chapter 6. And uh, some of you did bring your Bible, and if not, there's a red one there in front of you. Uh, the church was just getting started out here in Acts chapter 6, and, and uh, every church, as you know, 
uh, is in, should be in spiritual business, and when you're in spiritual business, you're in war. Uh, you wake up in the morning and, and you're at war. Uh, in Acts chapter 6, verse 1, it says, Now in those days when the number of the disciples was multiplying, there arose a complaint against the Hebrews by the Hellenists, two groups of people in the church, because their widows were neglected in the daily distribution, those people who spoke Hebrew and those people who spoke Greek. Then the twelve summoned the multitude of the disciples and said, It is not desirable that we should leave the word of God and serve tables. Uh, what happened is all the people in the church were involved in all the hands-on ministry. And the, the twelve who were the leaders of the church, they, uh, they were down there uh, right in the kitchen serving dinner to everybody. And you know when you do that, you can't do the necessary things. And they said, listen, this has got to change. Verse 3. Therefore, brethren, seek out from among you seven men of good reputation, full of the Holy Spirit and wisdom, whom we may appoint over this business. And really what he's saying right here is you've got to get your church organized. There has to be like a dinner committee or a dinner team. I don't care for that word committee too good. Uh, there has to be like a dinner team and there has to be uh, this team and that team and that team because... That's just the way it has to happen. Church has to be organized. And so their problem was they weren't organized. And they, so they said, listen, we've got to get seven men here, and we believe these were the seven first deacons, and they have to be full of the Holy Spirit and wisdom. And listen, they have to have spiritual qualifications. They just can't be the, uh, the top business guy in town. They have to be plugged into God. And, uh, and then put them over that team. At this was talking about the feeding team right here. Pastor got them together and said, hey, listen, guys, you're in charge of the feeding team. They said, we are? Sure. Uh, but we will give ourselves continually to what? Prayer and to the ministry of the word. That was the leaders of the church. Uh, that, uh, that needs to be the job of the leaders of the church, continually praying and ministering the word of God. But it's not only the job of the, of the minister of the, of the church to pray. It's the job of everyone to pray. Now, the, the minister, of course, he has more things to pray about. Remember, I showed you my book last week. I'll show you some more of it this week. Um, you know, you have to pray about everything that's going on in your life. Listen to this. Uh, Philippians 4, 6 says, pray about, don't worry about anything, but pray about everything. That's big, isn't it? Pray about everything. Uh, you know what, that Dale, Dale, that means? That means pray about everything in your life, Dale. Now, that's a big job, isn't it? That's, not, that's more than saying, oh, Lord, bless my day. That means going into the nitty-gritty details of your life, uh, pr praying for your family by their name and by their need and all the other people in your circle of influence. I believe, listen, I've just been thinking about this, Lisa, that you are the pastor of your circle of influence. Somebody write that down or at least say amen. amen. You are the pastor of your circle of influence. If you aren't the pastor of your circle of influence, who is? You are. Uh, they are your parish. They are your people. You might say, boy, they're not interested in God. Well, that doesn't mean anything. You're supposed to minister to them. We are to minister to the world, aren't we? Now, I want you to take a piece, you have a piece of paper there. I want, to, I want you to write down a few things here. It's entitled, What is Prayer? 
You know, there's a big mystery these days about what prayer really is. People are confused because uh, they've heard people every now and then pray the Lord's Prayer. And uh, they don't know much about prayer. So I'm going to give you a few things to write down, and we'll add to this as the weeks roll by, okay? Number one, what is prayer? Prayer is rebellion against the status quo. Rebellion against the status quo. Are you are you're tired of things being the same? Start to pray. They'll change. You might say, boy, I'm really stuck spiritually. Boy, I'll tell you what, if you pray, you'll be, God will unstick you. Uh, rebellion against the status quo. I was in a meeting in Massachusetts with some pastors one time, and this young pastor was encouraged to go to inner city Boston and start a church. It's hard in Boston. Everything is hard in Massachusetts. Uh, and uh, so somebody said, listen, just go down there and work really hard. Pass out all these invitations to your church. Just thousands of them. Just keep passing them out. And he did that for a long time with little or no fruit. He just wore himself out. And then as a last resort, you know what he did? He decided to pray. Last resort. I know you've never done that, have you? You tried everything else and nothing worked, and so therefore I guess I'll just maybe pray. And so as the last resort, he got a few guys together in his church, and they got in there, and they came down in the front of the church, and they knelt down, and they started to pray, and things started to happen in their church. All that work, all those passing out, all those things, uh, it didn't work. Prayer works. Because the Bible says in James 4, 2, you have not because what? You ask not. You don't ask, you don't get. That's what prayer is all about. Prayer is about asking, at least partially so. Okay? Um, you know, we can spend our time in the machinery of the church, or we can open the door to God's power. So if you're tired of things just being the same, have an appointment with God and things will change. Number two, what is prayer? Prayer is spiritual warfare. That's what it is. Now, I know you've heard about this before, and you hear people talking about it, and you say, man, that's so scary, I don't even want to get into that. Well, listen, let me say to you, you are into it. Whether you know anything about it, whether you're afraid or not, you're into it. Once you accept Jesus Christ as your Savior, the devil launches on you. He comes after you. He puts you in his sights. And you might say, man, I tell you what. I'm having all kind of problems now since I committed my life to the Lord. <laughs> yeah, you weren't a problem to the devil before you committed your life to Christ. You were in his camp. You, weren't, you were one of his persons. But now you are a threat to the kingdom of the devil. And you know what I found? He does not concede any of his property without a battle. He won't back up. And so this is spiritual warfare. Uh, this is where the battle is won or lost, and I know that there are many Christians who are really, uh, they're really uh, defeated uh, because they're trying to fight the good fight of faith, being a Christian, in their own strength. Now, that doesn't even make sense. Here's the devil, the prince of the power of the air. Remember Sunday? The prince of the power of the air, the ruler of the kingdoms of this world, and you and me, we're going to go up against him, not on your life. 
I mean, he's going to roll over you like you weren't even, like you weren't even there. Uh, we have to, spiritual warfare uh, is something that we do when we come and we admit our dependence upon God. Woo, now God loves that. James 4.10 says this, When you bow down before the Lord and admit your dependence upon him, he will lift you up and give you honor. See, you can't stand up until you kneel down. You can't stand up against the devil unless you kneel down before God. I love that. I'm always quoting that verse. When I sit up here on Sunday morning, uh, beside of making faces to the people that are up on the platform, looking at the drummer, going like this, things like that, you know, making life miserable for the people up there, uh, you know, they don't look at me anymore. They just, you don't look at me anymore, Mike. You just look out the window. You know, when I'm sitting down there, I'm getting ready to go up to preach. One of the last prayers that I pray to the Lord when I'm sitting down there is this. Lord, when you said in your word, when I bow down before you and admit my dependence upon you, that you would lift me up and give me honor. I bow down before you in my heart right now. I admit my dependence upon you. I can do nothing without you, God. Uh, you have to lift me up. Because, you know, with every sermon that's preached and every lesson that's taught and every witnessing conversation that goes on, there's spiritual warfare. There's spiritual warfare. The atmosphere around us is filled with demonic spirits and God's good spirits. And so they're fighting out this battle all the time. Uh, turn over to 2 Corinthians chapter 10. Okay. 2 Corinthians chapter 10 gives us a little window into this. Uh, Paul's talking to the Corinthian church here, 2 Corinthians 10, 3. For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. You know, I remember when I started out serving the Lord, I thought, boy, I'll tell you what, I can really handle this thing. You know, I, I, I can do this. I, I have lots of energy. I'm a type A personality. Get out of my way. Oh, man. Uh, and, but I've learned that, you know, I can't handle this. doesn't matter what kind of personality I have. <laughs> uh, Satan is not impressed with a type A personality. You know that? The Bible says, even though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. Spiritual warfare is not what you can do in your flesh. It's not what you can do with your brain. It's not what you can do with your expertise or your determination or your discipline. It just wasn't, don't work. Look at verse 4. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God for pulling down strongholds. God says, listen, fleshly weapons will not work. Spiritual weapons work. Verse 5, casting down arguments in every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. Now that last statement is so powerful right there. I believe this, that God wants our thoughts to be into captivity to the obedience of Christ before other people's thoughts will come into captivity to the obedience of Christ. You know, we pray for somebody else and say, Lord, fix them. Uh, God wants to fix us first. And then when he fixes us, then we're ready to, to deal uh, with other things. But this is spiritual warfare that we're in. It places you in the action. Now, and now you have a choice. 
You can be a spectator or a participant. Now let me tell you, spectating is a little easier. Okay? And, and you're, you're sitting there and you're saying, you know, I've always liked to take the easy way out. <laughs> uh, well, you can do that if you want. But let me say this, if you choose that, you won't get a good result. You won't get the result you need deep down in your heart. Uh, you can be a participant. Uh, and, and when you become a participant and you engage in spiritual warfare, you get wounded, you get hurt, all kind of things happen to you. But you can win the victory because you're in the right army and you're serving the right commander and he knows where to go. The Lord knows the way through the wilderness and all we have to do is what? Follow, right? Okay, number three, uh, prayer is meeting power with greater power. You're all writing this down, I know that. Meeting power with greater power. There's only one power that can defeat the power of the devil, and it is the power of God. This is not a struggle between two powers of equal strength, two, two powers that are evenly matched. This matchup is not even close. But, uh, but the Bible says in Revelation 1.9, Jesus said, I am Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end, says the Lord who was, who is, and is to come, the Almighty, say Almighty with me, Almighty. That means every other created being under him is less than him. And he's the one who created the devil anyway. And so, uh, and so meeting power with greater power. Amy Carmichael was a wonderful missionary, Irish missionary, to India. And if you can ever find any of her books, I'll tell you it's the best reading and it's the best stories you've ever heard. Amy Carmichael. Uh, she called what you and I are trying to do glorious raids into the kingdom of darkness. Uh, you just think about it. Here we are in church. This is our little environment. Our cozy little place right here, okay? We come together, we have coffee, we preach, and, and we sing, and everybody, we go rah, rah, rah. And then we go out, those doors back there, into the kingdom of darkness. And we turn on the television, and we can't even believe our eyes how messed up this country is. Amen. We can't even believe our eyes and our ears, the things we're saying. People are saying right is wrong and wrong is right. And the tragedy is, is people believe that in America. And even more so in other places of the world. Rich just came back from England. It's darker than America. Uh, and so that's what, we're that's what we're up against. We're walking out of this church into the kingdom of darkness. Uh, I'll tell you what, we need the power of God. We can't make any raids in the kingdom of darkness without the power of God. Okay, the next thing, as number four, is calling the forces of heaven to battle. Prayer is calling the forces of heaven to battle. When we pray, this is what we do. Sometimes we don't, uh, we don't think about this, but this is what happens. But I want you to think about it. Calling the forces of heaven to battle. Now, what are these forces of which I speak? Uh, they are angels. 
Uh, Hebrews chapter 1, verse 14. Angels, listen to this. Are they not all ministering spirits sent forth to minister for those who inherit salvation? Do you know who your servants are in this world? They are angels. You might say, I don't have any servants in this world. Well, you do. You have angelic servants. That's what the Bible says right here. Uh, they are not all ministering spirits sent forth to minister to serve for those who inherit salvation. Whenever you pray, this is what happens. Whenever you pray, God dispatches some angels to answer your prayer. I mean, God's like this giant dispatching company up there. Shooting angels over here, you go over there, you're over there, go there, there, there. Uh, down there at Bill's house, he needs four of you guys today, quick. And, and so that the Bible says that, and so when we pray, what, what I do is I ask the Lord to dispatch his angels. I come right out and say it. Uh, I think there was a time I didn't really know it or know about much about it. Uh, I, I've used this before. Uh, we have our Saturday night service here at the church, and we have a couple guys usually that meet me. At 5 o'clock, we have an appointment with God. And so we try to show up here at 5 o'clock. And so we kneel down here, and we pray over the Saturday night service. Then after we pray there, we, we walk around the pews, and we pray over the names of the people who come on Saturday night. And seldom does ever, uh, I don't think it, uh, it ever does, a Saturday night go by that somebody doesn't pray a prayer like this. Lord, we ask you to dispel the demon forces that are coming against us in the name of Jesus. And we ask you to send your angels to our property to strengthen us, to guard us, to protect us. That's what they're for. Uh, the Bible says, For we wrestle not against flesh and blood. What? But against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against the spiritual host of wickedness in heavenly places. And so, and so I want to encourage you, whenever you pray, uh, to, uh, to ask God to send you his angels. Uh, I, pray, I pray for my family almost every day, five days a week, by name and need. And I pray something like this. Lord, I ask you in the name of Christ to expel the demon forces coming against Johnny, Lori, Jason, Joshua in Texas. And I ask you to send today angels to protect them, to guard them on the highway. Have you ever driven on a Texas highway? You need half the angels of God to get through that experience. I mean, Pittsburgh is child's play. Uh, and I pray that, and then I do the same thing with Danny. Lord, I, I ask you to dispel the demon forces coming against Danny, Leslie, Blake, and Colton. And I ask you to send your angels to them today to guard them, to protect them, 
I do the same thing with Stephen, Tammy, Jenna, and this, unknown ba this unnamed baby boy that we almost have. Uh, I believe that this is war. And I believe that, as I mentioned to the men uh, down at the men's retreat, that I'm the, I'm the watchman. I believe that they're my parish. I believe that somebody has to go to war for them. And so prayer to me, partial prayer to me, is me rolling up my arms and be willing to pay the price. Now it's more comfortable to roll out of bed and have eight cups of coffee and four bagels and, and, and all that stuff, you know. But this is war. And I think that war is one on our knees. You don't have to be on your knees, but your heart has to be on its knees. Humble yourself in the sight of the Lord. Okay. This is a lot of fun, isn't it? You like it, Renee? Thank you. Renee likes it. Uh, one other thing, number five, and we'll stop here with number five because we have a few other, another thing to do here. Uh, prayer is ministry. You know, there are a lot of people that come to church and they say, boy, I wish I knew how to get involved. You know, could I be in the children's ministry? Well, that would be a good thing. Could I be in the teenage ministry? That would be fine. Everybody needs to be in the prayer ministry. Everybody in the church. Uh, this is something we can all do. Uh, they said, the, the leaders in the early church, they said, listen, we're just going to give ourselves continually to this. I believe that prayer is the finest part of our work. Uh, does anybody here remember a guy named Jack Wurtson? Word of Life Bible Institute. Okay, a few of you. Scroon Lake, Lake, New York. He built this big Bible Institute where only God could find it. If you've ever been there, has anybody ever been there? You would... I went there. I thought I was never going to get there. Scroon Lake, New York. I drove. I said, if a car breaks down, they'll never find me on planet Earth. There is nothing out here. Uh, Jack Wurtson was a greatly used man of God. He built this big, giant camp, Scroon Lake, New York. Uh, I was at a meeting at the Open Door Church in Chambersburg, Pennsylvania. Or, or he was at a meeting at the Open Door Church, and I was talking to the pastor later. He and I were friends. And he said, Jack Wurtson came to pray at his church, or to preach at his church, and he, you know how when, sometimes when preachers come to preach at other people's church, they go into the pastor's office and they'll have prayer, either with the pastor or some of the men of the church. And so he and Dino, Pastor Dino, at that time at the Open Door Church, were there, and he says, let's pray. So Dino bowed his head and closed his eyes, and Jack Wurtson, like, fell on the floor. He just heard this thud. He was a pretty old guy. It's pretty dangerous to do that if you're pretty old, you know. And it was just like thud. He fell on the floor in the pastor's office. And he started calling out to God. Oh, God, help us in this meeting. And old Pastor Dino's looking down at him like this. And, um, you know, I've heard him so many times on the radio. And every time I heard Jack Wurtson, he had the power of God. He could say the same thing every program. I think he did. But it always sounded good, you know. It was always with conviction. And so the people that God's greatly used are people of prayer. And so I want to ask you, 
I want to ask you to make a commitment in these next few days to become people of prayer. You don't have to do what Becky Terabasi did, commit to pray an hour a day the rest of your life. You don't have to do that. You could if you wanted to. But just commit to start the journey and learn, okay? Take that little book and those categories and start filling them in, start praying. And you're, maybe you're here tonight and you're saying, boy, I tell you, I need prayer myself more than anybody else. Well, let's start there. Open your heart to Christ. Begin the journey that you need. Uh, but start it. And we'll pick up right here next time. Let's bow our heads just for a couple minutes to uh, speak to the Lord about we've, what we've heard this evening, okay? We'll just bow our heads, and then we're going to pray for the needs of the people of our church next. I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand or make any kind of a visible move this, today, but I just want to know, are you doing okay with your prayer life? Do you have an appointment with God, or do you just try to fit him in and it doesn't fit? Well, don't, don't beat yourself up too bad. Just pick yourself up and start, okay? Say, Lord, forgive me for ignoring you and not having you as my priority. Just help me to have a divine appointment, Lord. Just take that calendar. Take your calendar tonight. Open it up before you go to bed. Write Jesus in there. Maybe it's 15 minutes to start with. Maybe it's a half hour, whatever. Just write Jesus in there and say, Lord, I'm going I'm to put you on my appointment book. Okay? Maybe you're here and you have a, a really good prayer life. and I want you to thank the Lord that you do because you're not a spectator. You're a participant. And you might say, boy, Pastor, my life has been so hard recently. I've had so many errors, so many things coming my way, I, can, I can't even hardly catch my breath. Well, that, that's the way it is when you're at war. I, I, don't have any, I don't have a whole lot of consolation for that. You just have to be tough. When we ask our guys to go to Iraq and Afghanistan, they don't get a lot of sympathy. They're fighting for our freedom. They're warriors. They know it. They have to pay the price. And so uh, you're a warrior. Don't look for sympathy. Just say, Lord, I need you. I'm, I'm, arrows are flying everywhere. God help me. Dear Lord, now we thank you for just the things we've heard tonight and some of these principles about prayer. We pray that you'll help our people as they apply them to their life. May, may you raise up people in this, in this room tonight who will begin to grow in prayer and, and get off the spectator bench into the participant bench and start playing the game, fighting the war, making their family and their circle of influence, their parish. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Okay, what we're going to do now is we're going to move around the auditorium. For those of you